It's time to be all that you can be in 23, starting with a cold plunge to get a natural boost in energy. Focus, discipline, and resilience. The plunge can provide you with all that brilliance. This is the ultimate home cold water therapy experience. A sleek, slick, custom-designed unit that gives you ready access to a cold bath of clean, filtered, circulating water that you can set to your desired temperature. Don't fool around lugging bags of ice from the supermarket for once-in-a-while action. Get the plunge so you will actually stick with your protocol and enjoy it. Visit at thecoldplunge.com to learn all about this sensational product and the benefits of therapeutic cold water exposure. They'll deliver a plunge to your home for free, and then you have easy, simple setup, regular plug-in, and you're off and running. I set mine to 39. I don't spend a lot of time, but the experience is prime, and I'm focused and energized for a fantastic day and more resilient against all other forms of stress in life. Take the plunge, people, and also check out their new Rebounder mini trampoline to pair with plunging and optimize lymphatic function. It's all at thecoldplunge.com, and you can't lose with their generous 30-day money-back guarantee and special discount for BRAD podcast listeners using the code BRAD, thecoldplunge.com. Welcome to the Primal Endurance Podcast. Slow down and enjoy the show, where we rap, literally, about everything you need to know. I'm your host, Brad Kearns. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Brad Kearns, to tell you about Organifi Green Superfood Powder. This is a great-tasting green powder. It's amazing but true. Mix it in water, and it's delicious, so you'll use it every single day to get a nice dose of greens especially if you're traveling, especially if you're trying to go keto and you're not eating that many carbs. This is a great way to ensure that you get all the nutritious benefits in a variety of fruits and vegetables. Mix it in your smoothie. I mix it with my ketone supplement. So even when I'm not eating, I get my greens every single day. Why don't you try some? Go over to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, and enter the code PRIMAL at checkout and you will get 15% off your first order. Enjoy! Hey, listeners. Welcome to the Primal Endurance Podcast. This is your host, Brad Kearns. And this show is being aired in the middle of summer in North America, Northern Hemisphere. Happy winter to y'all down there, down under. Hope you're having a great off-season, mates. But here in the States and in the uh, European continent, elsewhere in the Northern Hemisphere, we're right in the middle of the endurance racing season. So I thought I would talk about this topic because it seems to be a common problem where we get halfway through the season and we start to feel a little fried and frazzled and burnt out and some injuries creep up or some poor performances, maybe even a random illness that shouldn't happen in the warm weather months. And it's a consequence of the accumulation of stress from a busy, exciting, competitive season, the build-up to the season, and your body can handle this for only so long. And then if you don't give it a purposeful break from your aggressive routine, 
it will take a break itself. And we've talked about the stress response, uh, the nature of the fight or flight response, and the cortisol, uh, the effect of the prominent stress hormone cortisol to heighten your function both physically and mentally and put you into this optimal peak performance state where you are metabolizing energy very efficiently. You maintain a steady high energy level and high focus. Um, Your blood pressure, your breathing rate, all these things are slightly elevated so that you're ready for action. And this might be a busy eight-hour day at the office followed by rushing off to uh, conduct a workout in the evening hours and then rushing off to your dinner meeting and a busy time back home doing some chores. You know there's longer days now, so there's more things to do. There's more chances to tackle your chores, your to-do list, your social activities, and it ends up to be busy times. And when you throw in the training obligation, especially if we're doing anything that has a sniff of a chronic pattern, and so many of the shows have been dedicated to avoiding that, but even if you're doing things right and you're competing well, you're putting up some good results, The mid-season is really a great time to consider a purposeful and perhaps extensive break from your normal routine training and racing patterns for no other reason except that it's mid-season, except that you've been going strong for quite some time. Um, I reflect back on my competitive results for the nine full seasons that I competed on the global triathlon circuit at Olympic distance primarily, some long distance. Uh, but I would have a nice pattern. I don't know why I didn't hit myself over the head with a baseball bat at the time, but every year I would come out really strong out of the gate in the early season events in April and May, which took place in Florida and the Caribbean. So we'd have a little circuit where the weather was already warm down there, and we'd kick off the season down there. I'd put up some good results. We'd come over to California in May and early June, And those were some of my favorite races, best finishes. And then every single year when it got into the thick of it in July, and no coincidence, a lot of those races were across the main American continent, for example, the Bud Light series. So going to a lot of Midwestern cities or East Coast cities where the weather was hot and humid and difficult to perform in, um, I would always struggle and I'd have some downtime. I'd miss a race. I'd drop out of a race due to fatigue, exhaustion, maybe have an injury that I dealt with uh, uh, during the um, the weeks in the middle of the summer, and I'm looking at the calendar at, at my seasons going, yep, that year, oh, yeah, that year I got IT banned for six weeks. Oh, yeah, that year I dropped out of two races in a row. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. And then what would happen would be I'd have these forced rest periods in the middle of summer coinciding with the oppressive heat wherever we are, almost everywhere except for on the ocean, um, in, on, on the West Coast, but everywhere else it's sticky hot or it's dry hot, like in, in Phoenix or the Central Valley, California, inland California, and it's really difficult conditions to train in for everyone. Um, so these would be the times when I'd fall apart. No coincidence due to the weather, due to the accumulation of the races. So these were forced breaks taken for me unwittingly. That's right, non-refundable plane tickets and all that bad stuff occurring. But what happened was it served to give me a break from the stress. So I'd be home resting, maybe even moping about it and bummed out that I couldn't fly to Cleveland and compete. Uh, But the net effect was that I would always have a strong finish to the season when we get into September, October. And I would always extend my season a little bit into November and even early December, the last race of the year, going to a lot Israel where it was still temperate climate, even in December. Um, 
and I attribute these late season's successes to having this high volume of rest preceding the final hurrah for the season. So strategically, if I'd look back and be able to go back in time, rewind the clock, which we can't, <laughs> um, I would have done it on purpose. In other words, I would have just checked out and canceled races in the middle of the calendar uh, in order to be in top form for early season as well as late season. Because when we're talking about the professional aspects of having this be a business, a win is a win is a win, as they say. And even at the recreational level, um, you might want to perform in a certain race at your hometown race or the one you've been pointing for, the one your training partners are doing. But a great performance comes when it comes. And so if you can get one early in the season or late in the season, um, that's just fine. It might not be your first choice, but you have to take what your body gives you each day and nothing more every single day in training. And over the bigger picture of the season, when you're ready to go and you're feeling strong and healthy, that's when you can aspire to peak performance. And if you're dragging through workouts because you have a race coming up, on this particular date, and you think you need to get these workouts in, that is a sure recipe for failure. So if we can have a purposeful mid-season break as a foundation of your approach to endurance sports, this could be a real breakthrough for you to deliver overall best results when you're looking at the entire season and also reach your potential as an athlete in the very best races that you peak for. Someone who did this really well was Mark Allen greatest triathlete of all time, 10-time world champion in Nice, and six-time Hawaii Ironman champion. Um, He would uh, be known for taking off in the uh, late mid to late summer and going camping with his uh, beloved Weechal Indians, where he still works with doing these uh, sport and spirit retreats. I think he changed the name of it. I'm sorry, Fit Body, Fit Soul Retreats. So check out Mark Allen's stuff in present day here. But back in the old days when he was a professional triathlete, He would curtail his racing and he would go off and go away from training for an extended period where he's just camping and doing uh, spiritual exercises rather than aerobic cardiovascular. And then he would return to his training base, usually Colorado, um, also San Diego at other times of the year, and he would do a focused preparation for defending his Hawaii Ironman title where he'd get into some of the hardest training Speaking of hard training, probably the hardest training that ever human any human's ever done in endurance sports. I mean, this is the cream of the crop. These Hawaii Ironman folks are putting it out there, at least at the level of Tour de France cyclists, possibly, arguably, even more physically stressful and more physical work performed by the body because of the impact nature of running. And also the accumulated stresses of doing all three different sports of swimming, where you can work really hard and get your cardiovascular system up at a high level day after day after day, and then all the hours of biking, and then the extreme physical stress of running. So anyway, Mark Allen achieved these great athletic feats that have not been equaled yet, um, coming off of, you know, a midsummer camping trip, which most professional athletes wouldn't dream of doing. They'd probably be stressed by missing a single day of training because they had to go to their nephew's wedding or what have you. Um, So great lesson learned. And I think we can all be well served, even if you're feeling okay, to acknowledge that the stress response is kicking in here at mid-season and giving you a little bit of buzz energy due to the flowing of the stress hormones week after week after week because of the stimulation. You're asking your body to train hard and you're on this kind of training and competitive high 
especially because it's fun to finally get into the wor- the races, put up some numbers, compare to your friends, do some intense workouts. Maybe you're improving. You've done a couple uh, improved races in a row, and now you're in a groove. But just shut down that motor and just take a break. If it's a week long, that would be super. Maybe even longer will quite possibly benefit you for the rest of the season, the rest of your career. So there's no rules and regulations here, but one thing I advocate is to completely disengage from mental and physical training and competitive stress. So don't even think about training. Don't even stress about it. Don't read any articles or books or problem solve and get into your spreadsheet and project out the next 11 weeks of training. Just get away from it. Ideally, it would coincide with a vacation where you're getting away from your home environment and your training partners, and you're just unplugged from the daily ins and outs of what it's like to be an endurance athlete, and it has a very nice, refreshing effect. So once you do that, you can come back nice and gradually with no pressure and no stress about how much shape you lost when you took a week off. And this has also been covered in a sidebar in the book Primal Endurance, totally um, off the cuff, you know, not scientifically validated, but there's a lot of support, and we've thought about this for a long time, that the detraining effect has a one-to-one ratio of getting back to the fitness level you were at before you detrained. And when I say detrained, I'm talking about really not doing any exercise, any workouts for a specified period of time. So you detrain when you get sick, right? When you're in bed with the flu and you're off for a week and you don't exercise, it takes probably a week to get back to that point that you were at before you had the flu. If you happen to have a three-week break, whether it's a stress fracture or um, business travel where you can't do hardly any exercise, it's going to take you three weeks of your normal routine to get back. If you take a year off of training and you just be a couch potato uh, and you're riding the subway a lot and doing a lot of work or going to school and everything's overwhelming you and you can barely exercise, it will take you a year to get back to that fitness level you were at before you took your break. So if you take, let's say, a nice healthy 10 to 14 day break in the middle of summer, you can plan in a 10 to 14 day build up period, ideally aerobic base building period, and that will get you back into that shape that you were in before you took the break. And when it comes to high intensity workouts, remember uh, the discussion in the book with our recommendations for periodization, and especially Phil Maffetone's uh, pointing out that while a four-week maximum limit for uh, intensity training phase must be honored, best results might happen when you're only doing intensity for two to three weeks and then taking a requisite break from competing and doing intense workouts. So this stuff really, really works. Um, I want to emphasize that, that going fast really works and it gets you in shape and it helps you win races and it helped me win a lot of races because I get so many emails from people saying, wait, how I expect to do anything well if I'm just jogging along because now I'm running 12-minute miles at my maximum aerobic heart rate. So there's base first and then intensity and go out there and uh, open up the throttle and push yourself and challenge yourself with stressful workouts, and that will translate into competitive success on the race course, for sure. But what happens is everyone, or many, many people, are short-circuiting the first piece of the puzzle, which is to build a healthy, functional aerobic base where you can handle, where you can absorb and benefit from your intense workouts rather than break down, or rather than benefit for a brief period and then fall apart and break down, okay? 
So if you go out there and run intervals and do track workouts and uh, do hill repeats, you're going to get a payoff immediately the next day or the next weekend, you're going to be a fitter athlete. The training stimulation is very profound when you do a high-intensity workout. So in the short term, it's almost guaranteed success because your body can handle any form of stress for a short period of time. Until then, the stress response becomes weakened or exhausted. You start producing lower than normal levels of cortisol and the other adaptive hormones in the bloodstream. And then you feel like crap. Then your immune system is... Uh, dysfunctional and you get sick out of the blue. You're the only one that got sick in the family uh, because you've been training too hard, that kind of thing. Or you get a musculoskeletal injury just due to the breakdown and the poor recovery from the chronic stimulation of stress hormones. So intensity and high stress patterns work in the short term and then you'll fall apart. So if you want to escape this destructive pattern that happens to so many endurance athletes year after year after year, you spend that time building the base. You're patient and you're disciplined and keeping that heart rate at 180 minus age or below during all workouts for a defined period of time, at least two months at the start of the year. And then when it's time to go hard, you do some nice hard workouts, but every couple few weeks, you back off and you take a rest week. Uh, then you take a little bit of base, returning to base for another week. And again, this is all detailed in the book. And I should say a different word than detailed because it's supposed to be fluid. We're not putting these ironclad rules like three weeks here, one week with 10% less, and then rebuild with a 10% increase. That is total bullshit. I'm calling that out right now. It's so common in training books and among coaches to try to apply this robotic approach. And I'm speaking from my position as an athlete. I'm not a scientist. I didn't, um, I didn't go into the lab and pick people's blood to see how they're responding to a 10% increase in their volume on a certain training week. But in real life, you have to take what your body gives you each day and nothing more. So this nonsense about a methodical progression in your training volume and all that stuff, you can forget about it, cultivate your intuition, see what it feels like, see how your body's reacting to training, and make adjustments on the fly constantly. And this is indeed the strategy practiced by many of the world's top, top endurance athletes of all time, where there's always that intuitive component. They might have a very uh, highly defined, carefully defined schedule uh, with workouts programmed in and coaches watching them and timing them, but everything is subject to change based on their physical response to training. My favorite example is the sprinters, where you'll see them in the stadium warming up for their 100-meter sprint or what have you, and then they'll walk over to the, uh, the, the check-in desk and scratch themselves, you know, drop out, that means, before they start, DNS, did that start, uh, because they felt a certain little twinge in their hamstring during the warm-ups for the race. Uh, so if endurance athletes cultivated that mentality, that thoroughbred racehorse mentality, rather than the mule mentality, which is, throw some more weight on my pack, I'll definitely make you out of the Grand Canyon. I don't care. I don't even think about it. I just keep going forward. Um, that's fine for a mule in the Grand Canyon, but in terms of protecting your health while you pursue endurance goals and getting the most out of your body, you want to cultivate that thoroughbred mentality where you do stuff when your body feels right. You never force things to happen that are not naturally meant to be, and you take what your body gives you. And sometimes that means shutting it down in the middle of the season so that you'll set yourself up for success later in the season. 
I hope this little message is getting into your head right now in the middle of the season, particularly if you're not feeling great. If you're dragging a little bit for a week, two weeks, three weeks, you got some nagging injury issues, maybe some poor performances, just pull the plug and I promise you, your body will be happy. Your body will be good to you. It will respond to rest just like it responds to training and you'll be good to go for what races and challenges lay ahead of you in the season. This is your host, Brad Kearns. Thanks for listening to the Primal Endurance Podcast here in the middle of the season. Maybe you listen to this thing during a workout and you're coming home and you're saying, yeah, he's right. I'm going to go uh, on a, uh, a surf vacation now or a golf, a golf junket, whatever it is, man. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Talk to you soon. Hi, this is Brad Kearns to tell you about Primal Endurance Online Multimedia Educational Mastery Course. And what we have done for the past year is basically bring the book Primal Endurance to life with a series of videos and other multimedia educational material, audio, ebooks, all accessed at this online portal with everything you need to succeed in endurance training. And if you're trying to do this stuff, if you're enjoying these compelling challenges and trying not to get sick, injured, burnt out, fried, this is going to help you approach your endurance goals in a healthy, balanced manner and promote your health rather than compromise it. Get away from carbohydrate dependency and progress toward fat adaptation through dietary patterns, the primal approach, as well as the proper training methods that Mark Sisson and I have been dispensing for decades to endurance athletes. And we're talking about building that aerobic base, balancing stress and rest, integrating high-intensity workouts in the proper manner so that they actually help you make quick improvements in fitness rather than break you down. And, of course, throwing in all that lip service stuff, the complementary lifestyle practices like getting enough sleep, having a process-oriented approach rather than a high-stress, results-oriented, type-A over-competitive approach. And what the course does is bring in many, many of the world's leading experts in all manner of endurance training, exercise physiology, nutritional science, medicine, and I interviewed these people. I traveled all over the continent of North America and got these wonderful interviews, which we packaged onto the course. It's over 120 videos, many with the experts and also many others with the step-by-step instruction of what's in the book. So if you're too busy to read or you'd like to have more comprehensive learning experience, check out Primal Endurance online. You'll have everything you need there at primalendurance.fit.